You've reached Vernon First Baptist Church. My name is Randy, and you're listening to our podcast as we are seeking peace together for the summer. And you get to hear uh, me preach today as we look at the story of Abimelech and Isaac, and we realize that peacemakers sometimes walk away, sometimes. So I enter into the story as Patrick reads our scripture, and we examine what it means on this uh differing side of how to seek peace. Thanks. Amen. Thank you so much, Lori. Well, we are talking about seeking peace together, and uh, we come now to the time of the word. I'm going to invite Patrick to come forward, and he's going to read our passage for us. It's a, it's a bit of a long one. It's from the book of Genesis 26. So you can take your Bibles and your pews, or if you have an app, Feel free to open that up and uh, take a look so we can follow along in this story uh, from Genesis 26, 12. Thank you. Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us, you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley Gerar, where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, and the Philistine, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, the water is ours. So he named the well Isaac because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also, so he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba, That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent and there his servants dug a well. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with Ahuza, his personal advisor, and Fikol, the commander for his forces. Isaac asked them, why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? They answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm. 
just as we did not harm you, but always treated you well and sent you away peacefully. And now you are blessed by the Lord. Mm -hmm. Isaac then made a feast for them, and they ate and drank. Early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other. Then Isaac sent them on their way, and they went away peacefully. That day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. They said, we found water. He called it Sheba, and to this day, the name of the town has been Beersheba. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Patrick. Patrick and Lisa and their kids have joined our community recently, and they've been a real blessing to us in many ways. If you're at the picnic, they're the ones that came up with those great, uh, great things that we did at the picnic together. So we look forward to all sorts of fun things coming from them. Um, seeking peace together. I tell you, uh, we were just chatting yesterday with some friends, and we are talking about relationships and friendships and how they can be so hard, can't they? I don't want you to point any fingers, but they can be a lot, a lot of hard work. And you can find online a lot of help if you come across toxic people. People that have some toxicity. That's a pretty big catchword right now. I thought it's good for you to learn a little bit about that. Oh, toxic people. You want to stay away from toxic people. How do you deal with toxic people in your life? What do you do? Online, you can find some help from uh, very astute, very, uh, you know, very smart people like Michael Scott from The Office. Explain for one person why they can't be around toxic people. You are a thief of joy. That's from a pretty classic uh, episode. Or this classy lady from a couple decades ago saying she does not need to walk a mile in someone's shoes, seen, seen very clearly that they are a train wreck. Of course, you could also find a, this little girl here drawing a sweet little picture of her friend, saying, here you are, and then here's your toxicity level. Filled right up. She's not very happy with her friend. Even... You can even get the Minions. Any Minions fans out there? You can get the Minions in on this, right? Saying, don't let negative and toxic people rent space in your head. Raise the renting. Kick them out. Some people have even found famous quotes from actual smart, very caring people like Gandhi, who said, I will not allow anyone to walk in my mind with dirty feet. Oh, quite profound, actually. And sometimes we let people walk in our minds and over our hearts with dirty feet. And what do we do with that? Sometimes the conflicts we have take a lot of creativity when we're seeking peace together, and we're specifically going to look at that next week, what it means to face conflict creatively, to, to seek peace together. And sometimes being a peacemaker means walking away. How are we to deal with people when they end up getting toxic around us? Well, sometimes we automatically fight back, right? Like a rhino. We put down our horn and we say, no one's going to push me around and we just charge them. Emotions, sometimes out of control. Is that the Christian way? No, not really. Some would say, no, you become a doormat. You become a pushover. 
Isn't that the Christian way, just to self-sacrifice, just to deny ourselves and let others push us around? Is that the Jesus way? As we seek peace together this summer, this little story that we read about Isaac and Abimelech highlights a few things that we can learn about how Jesus would want us to deal with those hard relationships, hard situations. So let's pray together, and then we'll look at this. Jesus, we do invite you to speak from your word as you are the living word. We ask that you would guide us. We want to be peacemakers in this world, in our lives, in the relationships, especially ones that are hard. So we ask that you would speak life and truth your justice and righteousness into our hearts today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, the first thing we see in this story is that Isaac, though he is very flawed, no doubt, he is actually in the right in this situation. He's the victim of some serious toxicity. In fact, Isaac was so blessed by God that these Philistines or the Gerarites, maybe more properly in in the ancient world at that time, they're from Gerar, Gerarites, they envied him. Ka-na is the Hebrew word, ka-na, to excite with a jealous anger. That's how they felt about him. This is a time of famine in the land. And Isaac is pulling out a hundredfold of the crops. What is going on here? And they got so afraid of him. They're afraid of the power with his incredible crops, the, the people he was gathering, his his family was growing. His servants growing strong, and they were afraid of him. And you know what Isaac did when they came to him and said, we're, we're afraid of you, we're, we're envying you, we're, we want you to leave. What did Isaac do? Well, we heard, you heard the story. He walked away. He walked away. Now, if you are a conflict avoider, can I see a show of hands? No, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I, that's something that I have been much of my life, conflict of order. Let me tell you right now, I am not giving you permission to avoid conflict at all times. That's not what this passage is about, to walk away every time you face a challenge. But sometimes, this is a key point here, sometimes peacemakers walk away just like Isaac did. Here in this story. Do you know someone, and I know you do, someone else who walked away from a fair amount of conflict? It might surprise you. Not because he couldn't deal with the conflict or because he was afraid, but because he knew who he was and the mission he was on. Anyone have an idea who I might be talking about? Yeah, Jesus. Good. I know. That's hopefully one answer we can all get right. But maybe a little difficult to think about that in this perspective, that Jesus walked away from conflict. Sometimes. Sometimes. In his book, 
when to walk away, Gary Thomas writes about how surprised he was when he researched how many times Jesus walked away from someone, from a conflict situation, or let them walk away from him. And he didn't even try to make it right. Didn't chase him down. How many times do you think Jesus came across? Anyone throw out a number how many times he walked away or let others? 70 times 7? No. That's, that's something else. Also very important. Very important. We'll refer back to Ray's sermon on forgiveness. 70 times 7. How many times? Anyone take a, a real guess? 10. That's a, that would be a lot of times for Jesus just to walk away from conflict. How, any other guesses? I'll say it's up. Two dozen? More. 41 times in the Gospels. Jesus walks away from conflict or lets others walk away. Doesn't make things right. It's a little surprising, isn't it? I'm surprised by that. Yes, Jesus poured himself out for us. Philippians 2 says that Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. This is our God. But he was no doormat, even though he humbled himself. He wasn't a pushover. He was not always at the beck and call of those around him. He doesn't jump at every whim of those in need or allow himself to be abused in certain situations. Yes, one, absolutely. But given certain situations, he would walk away. Thomas says this. As far as allowing himself to be mistreated, though Jesus came to die the death of a martyr, he didn't allow consistent and persistent abuse to continue throughout his life. He let, him, he let himself be tortured and crucified once. But there were many occasions before that when he slipped away from those who wanted to hurt him. And there's many examples of this. One from the Gospel of John. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, if he wanted to, he could have just stopped the stones in midair or, like, dodged them matrix-like. But he probably would have freaked them out a little bit. He wasn't about to do that. When the rich young ruler couldn't answer the challenge that Jesus gave him, he wouldn't even debate or wrestle with them, which is what I think Jesus was maybe trying to strike up this conversation, getting to the heart of what's going on. But the rich young ruler, that young man, just walked away and Jesus let him go. He didn't chase him down and say, oh, come on, come on. Now, being a former conflict avoider, sometimes I think at this point that I always need to go and always need to work it out. But we can't always, can we? And when Jesus was demeaned, and slandered by the religious rulers of his day, sometimes he called them on it, and he had the sternest words for them, didn't he? 
But at other times, he would just walk away. And it seems that only a few, maybe like Nicodemus, may have received that reconciliation with him and that forgiveness, the true life that he offered. Henry Cloud, in uh, his great book, Boundaries, says this. The Bible is clear about two principles. We always need to forgive, but we don't always achieve reconciliation. Forgiveness is something that we do in our hearts. We release someone from a debt that they owe us. Like, like Ray mentioned last week, thanks again, Dad, for speaking. We don't need to hold on to the pain someone has caused us. We can forgive and be free. Even if they, even if they don't want to. So Jesus sometimes walks away. It's important for us to wrestle with. But at the same time, Jesus wants us to live a flourishing life. And we can see that in this passage. Isaac was flourishing in the midst of a famine. Now, maybe we're not all going to be as rich as Isaac. That's not what this is about. Sometimes there is, yeah, physical flourishing. But Jesus wants us to have a flourishing in our hearts much more, in spite of whatever we're going through. It's pretty obvious here in this passage that Yahweh is making a statement to all around that this man is blessed. And the people didn't like it. This reminds me of a story. We're heading to Barnabas at the beginning of August. I know a couple of you are coming with us and we're so excited. Barnabas is a family ministry, family camps, couple of retreats throughout the year. Beautiful piece of property on the north shore of Keats, uh, Keats Island on the Sunshine Coast. Right across over there, that's where Gibson's is. If you look close, you can see Relic in his toque from Beachcombers. Right. Uh, beautiful piece of property. Now, when the founder, Rob, Rob, first set his eyes on this piece of property, he had a very strong sense that God told him that this was to be a beautiful place of ministry. When he went to the owner, the owner did not agree. Something to the tune of, over my dead body. Is that going to happen here? And so Rob waited. And as we all will, that owner did die. And Rob thought, okay, here's the moment. And he went and talked to the son, thinking, okay, God, you've promised this. Here it is. And the son also said, no way. Now, you, you may have to go on a similar journey. Jesus never denies it. In this world, you will have trouble, he says. But he also says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, if you remember in the story, the Gerarites filled up all of Isaac's wells, cutting that source of life-giving water from themselves as well. 
When a person starts acting, acting toxic, they can do the worst things that damage you, that damage others. But what does Isaac do? He just, he walks away, he moves on. He builds a new well. And the herders around them say, no, no, that's our well. And what does he do? Does he stand up for his right this time? No. He named, so he names the well Essek, which means dispute, because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna, which means opposition. You might have seen that in your, in your Bible, little footnotes. Does it feel like that sometimes for you in life? Or you come up against people and it's just dispute and it's opposition and you put energy in and what comes back to you, whether it's from others or just what life gives you, it's like, ah! It sure did for Rob when he had this vision from God about Barnabas. For years they prayed over it. The vision of the ministry on that property, they prayed that God would preserve it, protect it, and bring it about in his perfect timing. I said, well, Rob, that's, you shouldn't have asked for that one. That gives God the out. <laughs> his perfect timing is not going to be our perfect timing, is it? God's going to teach us how to be patient, how to rely on others through these hard times. So Isaac moved on. Verse 22, he moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it, finally. We don't know why. We don't know what happened there. But he named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. Rehoboth meaning room. Even if your wells, what you're struggling with in life, are called disputed and opposition, keep going. This passage tells us to keep Trusting our Lord. He has room for you to flourish. For Rob and for Barnabas, it took years and some miracles, but eventually they were able to purchase the property, and it has been serving hundreds of families every year for 30 plus years. Incredible. And you might need some encouragement to keep going. Isaac did. We read in verse 24 that that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Just another uh, quick Barnabas story, a little bit of a side rabbit trail, if you will. The camp is on Keats Island. I said that, right? Surrounded by lots of water. But it's salt water. You can't just go down and get a bucket of water to have your drink when you're hot in the middle of the day. It's Sunshine Coast. So they rely on wells as well. And as the wells they are using started drying up, they need to find more. And one day their property manager, Phil, just a real quiet, faithful guy, working the land, making sure the machines are working, He's got a great white beard. (laughs) Reminds me of someone around here that just keeps on working. 
So Phil is out walking in the forest. And God says, right there, that's it, right there, dig there for water. So he just gets a rock and he sets it there. It's not necessarily a usual thing for him, but he sets that rock there. They call up the water digger well people. They have to come all the way from wherever they come from to the island, and they start going up. They say, we need a new well. And the people said, they start, he leads them through the forest, and they said, right over here, this looks like this would be a good place for us to dig. And he says, no, 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 not there. Not there. Over here. And they're like, over here? That doesn't seem at all right. Nope, I want you to dig right here under this rock. And they're like, hey, it's your money. Like, we know it's over here, but we'll dig there. So they start digging. Sure enough, they hit a well with so much force, the cleanest, purest water that's been watering their property and those that come for years and years. They said, I can't even believe how much water is coming out of this, the purest, deepest water. God will provide. And maybe you won't find all the wells Maybe you won't hear that voice so clearly. But one thing that we can do is if someone is robbing us of life in a situation is that we can walk away at times for peace and trust God that God will provide for us. Walk towards those who know the joy of the Lord is their strength. And do so in the power of the one who offers you living water. And even if you are in that place of strength and power, like Isaac was, I want us to be reminded in this story, we can see clearly that we don't need to use our power to put others down. Jesus' way is not about using power over other people. That's clear. Did you see that? Did you notice that? Jesus didn't force his way on others. That's why he let them walk away at times. It means that we aren't supposed to either. When Abimelech comes to Isaac, Isaac could have easily responded with his strength. He could have said, yeah, you're afraid of me. Yeah, you're envious of me because we got way more guys. And guess what? We're staying right here. And you're the ones that are leaving. He could have done that. He could have powered that over him. He could have been defensive, super offended, and negative right back at him. I noticed when I was looking online uh, that there are uh, some comebacks that you can use when dealing with toxic people. Right? Uh, Someone is giving you a hard time. You could say, before you start pointing fingers, make sure your hands are clean. Maybe you could say, uh, if someone's giving you some, uh, you know, their version of everything, you could say, thanks, but I function better without unsolicited advice. I'm not sure how well that would go over. Or you could just, if someone's giving you a hard time, you could just say, wow, what a strange thing to say. That might get them fired up, so be careful. Number two here, and then we're going to get to number one. Number two, remember when I asked for your opinion? Me neither. <laughs> that one might be a good one. Or number, number one here, 
Getting into an argument with you is like getting arrested. Everything I say can and will be used against me. Woo! Okay, so I don't necessarily recommend that. Uh, that's sometimes what you find online isn't that helpful, but can be good for a laugh. See, Isaac was asked to leave, and he didn't come back with all these comebacks. He just walked away in this moment, trusting in his Lord. Abimelech knew that he didn't have the power to get him to leave. Isaac could have fought for his right to stay, but he went humbly and simply. If he had fought, lives would have been lost. Instead, he uprooted all that he had developed, had to go find new wells and start over. It's interesting, when I was reading this, I I had a sense of uh, people moving into a land and taking over. And I think a number of people ask why the First Nations that were here in Canada didn't fight for their land more. Why did they let themselves be forced onto these reservations? But the truth is, when you chat with them, they think back to their ancestors and, and they say very clearly that they didn't view the land as something to be owned. They didn't consider it their land. It was something to be shared, properly stewarded. They were not about holding the power of this land over others. So when settlers came, they said, yeah, please build the house there. There's lots of room. Let's share the land. This isn't our land. It's not your land. It is the land. Creator's land. Unfortunately, others are ready to abuse them with power. Which has caused some to start to ask, well, what do we do about this injustice? And I appreciate it. That some are fighting against that injustice. And some have walked away. Maybe you've seen others that would say, I don't know if I call myself Canadian. It's hard to celebrate Canada. Well, this is why. They're walking away, just like Isaac. Now, Isaac's story isn't done yet. I think there's one more important point to bring up. That means we're getting near the end. Jesus, I think we can pull out of this that Jesus wants us to stay soft and sweet. Isaac has so many opportunities from being kicked out of what they had to the wells being filled to getting a new well, all that work to it being taken over. So many opportunities again and again to get so frustrated, to fight back. And he doesn't. Even if you have to walk away from a toxic situation or person, you don't need to become toxic yourself. I see this happening in our world today. That people are coming up against something and they fight back with such a vehemence. They become toxic. In this story, the toxic person, Abimelech, shows up again with his entourage. And Isaac is a little guarded. Rightly so, don't you think? But he's not bitter or hard. 
And it's not like there's two choices in life, to be a weak doormat or an aggressive controller. There's, all of us need to wrestle with how we respond in between. So Isaac offers some curiosity in this situation when Abimelech comes to him. Isaac asks him, why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? That's just true. He just offers them. You, you guys weren't very nice. And then why are you coming to me now? So Isaac doesn't fight aggressively to control when he could have. Instead, he walked away, took responsibility for himself, and he made some creative choices to continue to flourish. And when Abimelech decides that he had been rash and driving Isaac away, decided to reconcile, Isaac welcomes him. And they answer, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us. Between us and you, let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just as we did not harm you, he says, but always treated you well and sent you away peacefully. So he's rewriting a bit of history, I think, this Abimelech character. Ha. We still see him being toxic. And some will lie and deny the harm that they've caused others at times. I think we all need to own it when we have it. We did not harm you, Isaac might say. You treated us well, sent us away peacefully, filling up wells in a desert climate. Now Abimelech sends Isaac away, driving him away out of fear and envy. Yet, how Isaac has lived after that has made an impact on Abimelech. We saw clearly that the Lord was with you. When I read that, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be wonderful if if our neighbors here around us, if our neighbors in our neighborhoods, in our houses, if every Christian, if their neighbors would look at them and just say, wow, wow, clearly the Lord is with you. Even when we have treated you hatefully, even when others have thrown insults, have driven you away, you respond gracefully, graciously and with love. And you continue to flourish. Wow. Surely the Lord is with you. Isn't it obvious that God is with you? And then want to be in relationship with us. Wouldn't that be incredible? When he does come back, asking for a treaty, what does Isaac do? Isaac doesn't say, okay, well, we could write something up, and okay, I won't destroy you like I could. No. Isaac throws a feast. He throws a feast. Even though they were hostile to him, sent him away, Isaac chose not to be bitter about it. The Hebrew word here is shalak, to send away, to let go, to release. And it can have a few different meanings, by the way, depending on the context. When Isaac uses it in verse 27, saying, you sent us away, you were hostile and sent us away, it has a very negative meaning. You drove me away. You shalaked me. 
But when we see it again in verse 31 at the end, after they feast, after they make a treaty, early the next morning the men swore an oath to each other. Then Isaac sent them away, sent them on their way, and they went away peacefully. Shalak. Though he was shellacked, driven out, he shellacks them back by sending them away with peace. Isn't that amazing? Within a treaty, an agreement, again, when Isaac could have used his power, he was willing to share power with this pagan king. There may be times when you need to walk away from a toxic person. That doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that you don't get to call them out on injustice. You do. They might need to. If they're abusing you, you can call them out. Let me be clear on that. The result might be that you never reconcile, or it might mean that they come back. Either way, Jesus can empower you for your journey. 1 John 4 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And you may have had to harden yourself in a certain situation to learn to walk away, to power through something, but you do not have to become hard and bitter. This is the offer that Jesus has for you, to continue to love. You don't have to look at others and say, look what you made me do, look what you've turned me into. We can look to God and say, God, what do you want to turn me into? It's what Isaac does. It's what Jesus offers us to take responsibility for our actions, to choose to love, to forgive, to stay soft and sweet, even if we have to walk away. One more boundaries quote from Henry, and we're done. Taking responsibility for my life opens up many different options. Boundaries help us keep the good in and the bad out. Setting boundaries inevitably involves taking responsibility for your choices. You are the one who makes them. You are the one that must live with their consequences. And you are the one who may be keeping yourself from making the choices you could be happy with. You must own your own thoughts and clarify distorted thinking. I believe this is what Isaac does what Jesus offers us. Live in the confidence of the joy of the Lord, knowing that Jesus holds you, guides you, and empowers you. Empowering you to be the peacemaker where there is strife and conflict. And you can offer life where there is death. You can offer love, joy, and peace where there is hatred, anger, and fear. And you can be a peacemaker even if it means having to walk away at times. Always being open to what Jesus has in store, the potential of reconciliation, the potential of you offering more peace to others. This is what God offers us from the time of Isaac to today. Let's pray together, and then we're going to sing about that. Jesus, we do thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. 
and that you show us at times that means that we might have to walk away from certain situations. But that you empower us to become more like you through it and not to become hard and bitter. Lord, we ask that you would continue to make your people like that, continue to make us more like you here in our gathering, in the churches here in Vernon, across the world, that people would look at us and say, wow, we want to be in relationship with you. Surely, God is with you, and that that's a beautiful thing. Lord, may the world see that in us, see your peace, your joy, and your love through us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please remain standing for our closing blessing and benediction. And if you so choose to open your hands as a symbol of receiving what God has for you to take with you from this service, feel free to do so. As you go from this service, go with the knowledge that you are an instrument of peace and that Jesus invites you to explore what that means, even if it means walking away humbling yourself, saying, Lord, help me not to be bitter or hard, but to look for you, to stay soft and sweet, and see where I can bring your peace. So go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.